What do all the best podcasts start with? That's right, it's a musical number. You said Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, I know you think you can't trust me That I'm a liar, you just shouldn't believe But please know it's all true From a certain point of view You said your name was Ben Well, it's Obi-Wan You said my dad was killed Close, now ain't this fun Cause technically it's true From a certain point of view Point of view? Point of view Please don't sue us, Seth Green. Seth Green. <laughs> please don't sue us, Seth Green. Yes, what Mark said. Seth Green, please don't sue us. Uh, full credit We love you, Seth. It's only because we just love Robot Chicken so much. We that do. Involved. We do. We think, I mean, I think Robot Chicken's better than Family Guy. Yes, yeah. I would, yeah. And the um, Star Wars specials are the quintessential Star Wars parodies. I mean, yes, yeah. They are and, excellent. And I think the Robot Chicken ones are better than the Family Guy ones. Yes. Although absolutely. I do, lo- do love both. I do enjoy, I do enjoy both, but mm. I just, oh, Robot Chicken's just got its oh, sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Massively underrated. Anyway, so that full, uh, full credit for that uh, delightful little number goes to Robot Chicken, who I'm sure we'll cover in another episode somehow. Anyway, on with the show. I'm with the show, yes. Hello and welcome to Pedagogzilla, the podagogic podcast where we ponder perceptions of pedagogy through practical prodding with the poker of pop culture, providing, of course, this performance doesn't present a problematic propensity for perpetual procrastination. I think I did it right with that. Yeah, I know, that's amazing. Yeah, it gets longer and longer every episode. <laughs> Uh, basically, we take bits of pedagogic theory, practice, observation, and then just try and clumsily understand them through the lens of pop culture, TV, films, comics, whatever, really, as long as it's fun and interesting. Anyway, this episode, we'll be answering the question, why does Obi-Wan Kenobi lie to children? <laughs> now, Mark is laughing because... He said Obi-Wan a- Kenobi. <laughs> oh, Okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Did you do that deliberately no. just to set me off right from the start? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, that's such an obvious pun. I don't know why anyone's never done it before. I think somebody has... I, oh, okay. I didn't remember from a, um, a Dead Ringer sketch. Hello, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I'm Mike, I'm a learning designer with the Open University, and I'm a bloke with a microphone, and joining me as ever, we have... I'm Mark, and I'm somebody who hasn't, deli- <laughs> hasn't worked on a byline for this particular episode. Um, I've got a PhD in education, and I um, occupy the seat opposite Mike, basically. Part one, the question. Okay, so let's start by breaking down our question. There's uh, two components to it this week, uh, which is Obi-Wan... Kenobi and the concept of lies to children. We've already talked about Star Wars on the podcast before, so perhaps we'll talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character in the concept of Star Wars separately. But first, we should probably unpick what is lies to children. Okay, so I I think what prompted this was there's another episode in which uh, our colleague Paul is talking about writing for the Reb. And um, 
Rut-row ragging. <laughs> no, it's just me taking the mickey out of you because you said all the way through that episode, Reb writing. You don't remember? Oh, I do now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, okay. Fuck it. Sorry. Yeah, I've still right got to that okay. One. Um, so anyway, we're writing for the web, and um, he was talking about how you start off with a particular thing to grab the audience's attention, and then unpack it bit by bit. And we were talking afterwards about how similar that is to how you would design pedagogy in that you actually have a particular thing that you want to grab the student's attention with and then unpack why that happens and other things around that. But it's not just about why. Here's a thing, here's an event, here's a a phenomenon that we notice and here's why it happens. It's that that why then changes as you go through education. And the issue is, is that sometimes these ideas are so complex that you can't unpack them all right from the start. What you have to do is give people, usually children, hence the name lies to children. ah, Not always children. But but not always. But lies to children is like the working example of it. Yes, and I think it happens more in, in children's education, but it does also happen in adult education, is that you start off with an approximation or a simplification in order to get the students through that point and then hopefully excite them enough in the subject to then want to unpack that more. And in which case, the next stage is then actually revealing that what you were told them to start with isn't quite true. The actual thing is this. And then there might even be another phase later on in which actually you'd sort of unpack it again and say, actually, this thing wasn't necessarily true. It was this. But so, each stage... So, yeah. So let's let's just roll yeah, it back okay. to the basics for, sure, for a okay. second. Because you kind of... Um, so can we frame this against like uh, an example of a lie to children? Okay. So a lie to a child, for example, let's talk about... I always think of atomic structure as yeah, the ultimate lies one. to children. Because yeah. um, the first thing you teach a child about atomic structure is that you don't teach them about atomic structure. You teach them essentially that there is some stuff is made of stuff. Mm-hmm. So apple is made of apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apple, uh, you know, gets reduced to juice and fruit and yumminess. Yeah, and the atom is the single most indivisible part of that whole thing. And yeah, the, all the molecules made of atoms. And that's something you kind of you touch on. I think as a kid, you get introduced to that as a concept about sort of yeah. year six, sort of that that stuff is made from smaller stuff. Yeah. So you kind of start talking about stuff being made from smaller stuff. Then you hit your GCSEs and you start talking about uh, atoms, molecular weight. Uh, and electrons, you've got the classic model you've got of uh, an atom, or sorry, a, yeah, a nucleus with electrons orbiting it, looking like, uh, if you've seen the Big Bang Theory, like that thing on the Big Bang yeah. Theory, that is, of course, a lie in itself, because that doesn't actually exist. That's a physical representation of the idea, as opposed to what it actually physically looks like. And it kind of works mathematically, but actually the clouds exist as a, the, the electrons exist as a cloud surrounding the nucleus. And then you think of these clouds as actually then a wave. Well, you think of them as a waveform, and they're these waveforms that exist at different frequencies. And even and then you get to another level, which is actually they don't exist as waves. They exist as clouds of probabilities, and the, these probabilities are probable positions that then change as they increase in energy. And it's not that the cloud changes or the orbit changes. It's that the it's that the frequency at which the probability is waving that changes. And I, I mean, I'd studied physics at, at university and then taught it for a while at A-level. And, um, you know, it's like the Schrodinger's wave equation. The, the, the <laughs> it's like this, is, this factor is that which is waving in the Schrodinger's wave equation. And it's like what that is, is really left vague. Which is a terrible way of explaining to a child <laughs> what makes an apple. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to get into the fact that actually this is a probabilist, this is a superposition of probable positions. 
superposition of probable positions, something like that, of a waveform. <laughs> you know, when you're talking to kids about this sort of stuff. Exactly, because what they need to understand in order to progress their own learning at the time is that apples are made from stuff, mm -hmm. which then progresses to apples are made from you know a couple of components, you know, biological matter, which is a diff distinct set of stuff, and then there's different bits and pieces within that, and then you know, you, basically, you, you can't uh, jump straight from what is an apple. An apple is a superposition of unknown Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and the idea is, yeah, and also going back to Paul's example in that other episode, but it's, it's not. It's also about exciting them and capturing their attention, so then they want to read further through, and that's why it's got similarities to the whole journalism or storytelling or anything. Is that you don't want to lo load load in all the explanation from the word go. What you want to do is is create a picture that people can get their idea, their head around and then move on to the next step. And I mean, for me, some of the things that I've remembered most from my own learning are the bits where that's where you discover that lie and you know something more of the truth and then know that other people are still being told the lie. And in fact, I mean, if you look at Newtonian mechanics, so uh, the example we were talking about earlier, which is that you, this is what you're taught when you're doing maths, is that you have a car at 60 miles, traveling at 60 miles per hour, 60 kilometers per hour in one direction, a car travelling in 60 kilometres per hour the other direction, what's their total relative speed? Now, and if you're teaching this at GCSE um, maths, you'd say 120 kilometres per hour because that's what it looks like. But of course, it's way more complicated than that because of relativistic effects. If you want it to be absolutely precise, there's a sort of, you have to build in the fact there's some time dilation and all that sort of thing. But at those sorts of speeds, those sorts of things don't matter. Yeah, it's a head-on collision 120 miles an hour. You're you both did anyway, die. yeah. 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 Um, and so, uh, and also, of course, that's the way that, no, that knowledge evolves as well, in that actually we think we know Newton would, knew everything there was to know about physics at the time. That was all that anyone could tell from, from the observable, observable universe. When we talk about truth, basically we say, well, this is what the truth is. What we really mean is this is the truth as far as we know it, according to all the best available evidence. And that's always a kind of little caveat that should be embedded in any time you say this is what it is. I mean, the Big Bang is the, probably the best theory, is the best theory we've got for how the universe started, but we and don't know. the worst sitcom. <laughs> it's, well, it's, not, yeah, it's not brilliant. Well, you know, it's, it jumped the shark quite a while ago, basically. But, um, you know, and something else could come along that's even better description of how things worked. But at the moment, you could say this is the way the universe started because it's the best, the best uh, explanation we've got for the available evidence. So essentially, lies to children goes all the way to the top. Yeah, it's, it's, we're all, I mean, everything that we know to be true now could be a lie to children 30 years from now. So, should quickly touch on just kind of the history of the concept of lies to children. Okay. You could reasonably, having been listening to this for about 10 minutes now, be wondering why it's called lies to children and doesn't have a, uh, a fancy pedagogy science name attached to it, like lie cum lo scientifici or something, which would be a good, good name for it. Good well, okay, so I've got. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll the concept was around, first discussed by scientist Jack Cohen and mathematician Ian Stewart yes. in their book *The Collapse of Chaos*, and then further elaborated on in *Figments of Reality*. Okay. Um, however, I personally encountered the concept during uh, reading a Terry Pratchett book. In fact, it was *The Science of the Discworld*. Mm -hmm. In fact, was that done with Ian? Uh, well, Ian Stewart, Jack Cohen, and Terry Pratchett wrote *The Science of the Discworld*. Oh well, that'll be why then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's when I first encountered it. And essentially, uh, I mean, fantastic books, absolutely fantastic books. Um, doing something, actually, now I think about it, not entirely dissimilar to what we're doing here, which is 
using uh, a comparison with uh, the magical, wonderful fantasy of the disc world uh, and real world, mm. I say real world, real world bleeding edge uh, theoretical physics. Yeah, so they're both actually kind of really prestigious scientists in their field. And this is something they came up with as a sort of pedagogical model. This is how it works. And it's, as you pointed out, it's not really lies. It's not because it's not like, oh, the tooth fairy or the stork or the gooseberry bush kind of lie. It's, it's a sort of, it's, um, it's more a kind of philosophical approach to teaching. Yeah. To teaching. And we should actually probably distinguish lies to children from lies. So there's a good phrase here um, from, uh, from Stuart. Uh, Any description suitable for human minds to grasp must be some type of lie to children. Real reality is always much too complicated for our limited minds. All we ever know is what our instruments have told us about the universe around us. And it's like Plato's mm. cave, isn't it? It's like, we don't know what reality actually really is. All we can say is we're working with the best information we've got. And this is the best, this is the best uh, model we've got of what our instruments have told us, but we never know if it's fully the truth. Mm. And I derailed myself there by not talking about the difference between lies to children and lies to lies. So the example you get, uh, just gave there of the stork and the gooseberry bush mm-hmm. are an excellent example because they are just outright lies. They do not give you knowledge which um, allows a child to uh, to progress further with their development uh, or understanding of a subject and in to some degree I would say actively actively send them in the wrong direction. You, there's, there, there's a struggle in some cases in that not only have the children been taught lies by their parents because the parents don't understand stuff or because they've been deliberately lied to because they don't want to talk about childbirth and the stalk is a lot easier. Um, but also that's the kind of inappropriate sort of lies you have to overcome. But there are appropriate ones, which is, you know, it's just a, a kind of, um, what's the word, a superficial or a, a, an interim explanation to what's going on because it's too complicated for the children. They yeah. need to know something later on. Great example would be, well, uh, lies to children would be the Earth is a sphere, mm-hmm. which it's not. It's actually a little bit misshapen. It's an oblate spheroid. Yeah, it's what Mark just described. <laughs> I mean, I'd also just call it a planet, but you know. It's yeah, yeah. But it's it's um it's 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 wide around. If you measure it around the equator, it's more than going pole to pole. Yeah. It's flattened slightly. And lies to morons would be that the Earth is flat. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's lies they like to tell each other for some reason. Yes, and reinforce with one another. It's like, oh well, I can't. Uh, this ruler, I put the ruler on the ground and the ruler is flat at all sides and that tells me that they... I have no idea how they managed to... No, I don't. You know, they, the society got started essentially as a joke. Oh, really? I didn't Yeah, I was listening me. to a Radio 4 documentary on it. Yeah. Like, it got started as kind of like essentially a miniature piss take and then just went dark for years and years and years and then it got picked up by the current band of um, deranged lunatics who, who are very welcome to, to hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> That'd um, be great, but... How do they think that actually things like Twitter and GPS and stuff like that work if the Earth's not? That's a really good point. Or maybe they yeah. assume that it's, well, I don't know how they think geostationary would work without spin because things would just fall down. Maybe, maybe they think disc. we sling up a new satellite every day. Maybe it's a disc. Maybe balloons. But then, I mean, there are oversimplifications like uh, Everest is the, is the tallest mountain on Earth. And it's like, well, it's not. Yes, K2? No, no, it's Mauna Kea. Yeah. Because a lot of it's underwater, though. That's... Is that lies to children or is that semantic? <laughs> well, it's an oversimplification is that we, we all think... We, I mean, it's just nice to know a few facts. Maybe it's the actually. tallest mountain from a certain point of view. <laughs> yes, okay. Which is a nice segue. Which is Time a nice segue. Yeah, okay. Uh, which, by the way... <laughs> okay, so, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, mm. We've covered Star Wars briefly on the podcast before, but 
quick one sentence summary of Star Wars. A one sentence summary of Star Wars? Uh, a long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jedi's lightsabers, awesomeness, Sith. Sith. Eh, Sith wasn't really covered in the original trilogy. Well, Darth Vader was a member of the Sith, wasn't he? Well, he, he was, was a, a member Dark of the Lord Sith, but was it ever really. And then the Emperor was a Sith. Oh, I suppose they, two they are. Well, they two did cover it, but they, they only re reference the Sith like twice, don't they? Like in um, the whole well, original trilogy. Well, I think it's a call. Basically, it's a, it's a struggle between light and dark, Jedi and Sith. Sometimes the, everything's being run by the Jedi, in which case everyone's happy. Then the Sith take over and everyone's sad, and then the Jedi have to take over again, and everyone becomes happy again. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, and there's also laser swords, a yeah. uh, little bit of incest. Um, which Almost is brother sister kissing, uh, and I suppose a core part, particularly of the first trilogy. So there's, and also the key thing is there was an original trilogy, and then there was a prequel trilogy, and then there was a sequel trilogy, and then people feel that it's some bits are better than others in a big way, and that becomes quite competitive. Um, and the original trilogy was very much kind of hero's journey sort of thing mm, as well, absolutely. based embedded in a lot of mythology and things like that. Hero's Journey being something we will definitely cover in another episode of the podcast <laughs> yeah, so. with Lemmy Winks. Um, but <laughs> anyway, there is a character who appears uh, in the first three, well, he appears in lots of the films, but for the purposes of this, we'll be talking uh, about his journey in the first three, not chronology, in order of release. <laughs> uh, I know. Don't go there. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> okay. go there. Okay, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, okay. who is a... Uh, an old Jedi master played by Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, who decided to go for toy shares rather than a flat performance fee, I believe, and merchandising shares, and did really yeah, well did, out of it. Yeah, he did. He did very, very well out yeah, of it. Yeah, because he was not a big fan of the film, but thought the toys would sell really well. Well, I think it was more the the story I heard was that um, he did it as a favour to George Lucas. Was that George wanted a big name star in his new movie because it was quite a cheap little movie, and he couldn't afford a big name star. So as a favour, Alec Guinness said, well, um, I will do it as a percentage of the profits and, uh, and not believing he would make much money from it at all. And they didn't make any huge amount from it because it was, a, at the time, the most successful film of all time. Yeah. Um, so, Easily the most loved. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the sort of mentor figure in the first movie. Uh, and then we see him growing up in the prequel trilogy and then, we'll, of course, we'll see more of that in the TV show, which is based on, which is all about Obi-Wan Kenobi, with Ewan McGregor, who plays him as a younger man. But for the purposes of uh, this particular question, we're focusing on um, his, uh, his actions in A New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, just because uh, he is Luke's, uh, Luke Skywalker's or protagonist's mentor. He's kind of uh, sort of taking the template of the, uh, the old Oriental martial artist Sort of samurai master, uh, and he takes him through, trains him in, in the ways of the force. Uh, it's a bit of Jedi history, how to fight, how to use his cool force powers, uh, and sort of the, uh, the critical information that he needs to know uh, in order to, uh, to progress as a Jedi Knight. Mm -hmm. um, however, in doing this, he tells a few little porkers. He does. So, um, I which think... I guess, should we get into the specifics of the porkers yeah, okay. in the next bit? Okay, yeah. So, why does he tell those lies? and whether or not that actually has a pedagogical value is what we'll talk about in the next bit. So let's tie that together in the next section and answer why does Obi-Wan Kenobi lie to children? Part two, the answer. Okay, so um, there's a scene basically, there's a scene we're really thinking about is where um, 
Luke Skywalker, who's the protagonist, has just been rescued by Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's in his little desert hut. And he's introducing him to his lightsaber and all that sort of stuff. Says, this is your father's lightsaber. And then, of course, Luke wants to know about his father then. And Obi-Wan Kenobi says, well, I tutored uh, your father, and then he was killed by Darth Vader. And uh, so, of course, that then sends Luke Skywalker on a huge revenge cycle. So even though he's being trained in the second movie, he's being trained by Yoda to uh, become a Jedi, and he's really driven by uh, his revenge, seeking revenge for his father's death. And there's one bit where he faces Darth Vader in underneath a tree, and then whacks his head off with yeah, a just, lightsaber. In, in a really like a really hokey scene. Like, yeah, that, it is it's quite out of place that whole scene. I suppose so. I think it's supposed to be kind of dreamlike, but then the the head falls off of uh, off from Darth Vader. The mask falls away because Darth Vader is masked, and you see there he, Luke sees his own face. So you think, oh, okay, so you're already starting to think something's wrong. And in fact, if you know that Vader is the Danish for father. And you don't even have to know that because Vader, Darth Vader, just sounds so much like Dark Father anyway. Um, and if you know anything about mythology... I'm, I'm literally shaking my head right now because I did not know this or put that connection oh, together. Oh, okay. And also, most a lot of mythology, the whole mythic cycle, the whole hero's journey is about confronting the father and slaying the father, he, not metaphorically, if not actually literally. You know, we, we've all thought about thing. it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's an Oedipal thing. It's It's sort of, you know, in order to take your place in society, you have to destroy what went before and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I remember it being being surprised when I found out, because in, then in the end of uh, the Empire Strikes Back, which is the second film to be made, Luke confronts Darth Vader, there's a big fight scene, and then Luke then says, well, I know the truth, Obi-Wan Kenobi told me the truth, you killed my father, and then Darth Vader says, no, Luke. Luke. I, I am your, your father. father. And then Luke goes, "No, that's not true. That's impossible." And now you guys, no, no, that's, that's not true. true. You've got the face impossible. right. You've even got the faces, facial uh, expression. I right. have seen that film. And then he sort of jumped. He then, and rather than give in to his father, he uh, jumps off the. So, and of course, this is part of the reason why Yoda and Obi Wan Kenobi don't want Luke to confront Darth Vader, is because they think that at that point at which Darth Vader, Darth Vader will therefore tell him the truth, and at that point. Actually, no, he says, oh, unforeseen. No, oh, the well, wrong no, so this, Yoda uh, says, unforeseen that was. But anyway, that's the worry is that when he finds the truth, he's going to become uh, more prone to being part of the dark side. And it's also because it was for his own protection. So kind of the, one of the seeds for the initial uh, lie to children there, which is Darth Vader killed your father. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely actions on the part of um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who obviously sacrifices himself, and Yoda to keep the two of them apart. Yeah. It's because Darth Vader is a motherfucking murder tank. Yeah. Um, something yeah. that is dealt with slightly later, sort of to great abandon in some of the later movies and the other yeah. franchises. Yeah. But Darth Vader is an absolute beast. Yeah. So having kind of instilling this little bit of fear in him, Around Darth Vader is this proper like extreme motherfucker who killed a fully fledged Jedi Knight oh, and and exterminated the Jedi. Yeah, and you can see in that original scene where Alec Guinness is about to lie to uh, Mark Hamill that Alec Guinness says, "What what happened to my father?" And there's a pause, and you can see him rock backwards and forwards very slightly, preparing himself to lie. And I don't think it's retconned at all. Uh -huh. It felt like, oh, maybe this is a retcon. Maybe George Lucas decided in the second movie he would make him the father. Because, you know, in the original script that uh, David Prose got, David Prose is the, is the person that played the physical version of Darth Vader. Yeah, the but great big um, Somerset man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, they, he did all, he performed everything 
I mean, in, on set and said, Oh, yeah, by the way, there's clips of that available on YouTube. I heartily encourage people to seek them out. They are hilarious. Yeah, and it, it didn't. I mean, he, sometimes he didn't follow the like like the script anyway. So uh, you know, there's the classic asteroids do not concern me. I need that ship. And Dave Prowse on on set apparently went, hemorrhoids do not concern me. I need that shit. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but anyway, so Dave Prowse was actually the the script he had was that no, that's not true. Obi Wan killed your father. So as far as the only person that knew that actually Darth that Darth Vader was his father was Mark Hamill. Oh, shit, that is a twist a and a half. Yeah, so then when, so according to everybody on set, everybody, when he goes, no, that's not true, that's impossible, he's saying that to the revelation that Obi-Wan killed his father, not to the revelation. And it was only when James Earl Jones dubbed it later that they dubbed that line in, so that the, that kind of reveal would only be, there would be no spoilers because only, you know, the Ben Burt who's the, guy, the recording artist. Uh, the oh, guy Jesus Christ. How, do you, like, how many times have you been through the credits of Star Wars? <laughs> Everybody knows Ben Burt. Ben Burt ben is the genius. So, I mean, he created some of the languages for Star Wars. He did all the stuff with the weird Jawa noises. He did. He, I, he's probably got a couple of Oscars for his work on Star Wars. Yeah, it's Ben Burt. And also, he did a, quite a lot of the recording of the, uh, of the audio versions as well so yeah so so anyway so i think only ben burt who's the the sound guy james Earl jones and mark hamill actually knew this until until it was all released that's what i heard anyway okay um, so anyway when uh, the ghost of obi-wan kenobi is confronted yeah. with this bringing us back to the question okay, that we're yeah, attempting sure. to answer as opposed to <laughs> what sound engineer um, <laughs> monthly um so, uh, so when um luke confronts the ghost of obi-wan kenobi Mm-hmm. One Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, like I'm not genuinely not doing this on purpose. Okay, in the I believe the third movie. Yeah, in Return of the Jedi. And in fact, comes to think of it, it's, is it both the ghost of him and the ghost of Yoda at the same time, or is Yoda still alive at this point? Um, Yoda dies, and then say um, actually revealing that he's been another thing that, that um, Luke's been lied to all along, which is that you know he's not the last Jedi. There is another. This is Skywalker. Skywalker. <laughs> um, and then he goes, Yoda dies, disappears, because that's what Jedi do is they disappear when they die. And then he wanders off into the woods, and that's when he meets Obi Wan Kenobi is, on his and own. You lied to me. What I told you was the truth from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? <laughs> uh, which you'll have heard in, in the head yeah. of the show. Uh, Mark found the clip and sent it to me. It's fantastic. And so, and then he kind of justifies the whole thing. And it's like, and it's like, well, is this a reasonable lie? Did could he not have told, did he have to lie to Luke in order to make, is this a pedagogically valuable lie is the question that we kind of want to address. Because at what, I mean, to what extent are lies to children permissible and which and at which point are they actually unnecessary and maybe, uh, and maybe unethical? I mean, I would argue from a learning outcomes perspective, this lies to child has been successful. Got him to where he needs to be, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know, if you look at his, uh, his past completion rate, of, uh, you know, being a Jedi and staying alive, yeah. um, I would say, I mean, he, he does ultimately bring balance to the Force. Yeah, yeah. But where I think the whole lies to children thing breaks down in pedagogically and also for Obi-Wan Kenobi is that, yes, maybe it's what Luke needs to know at that point, but I get the impression there's a bit of it which is about Obi-Wan Kenobi protecting himself because basically he wants to lure 
Luke into becoming a Jedi. He doesn't <laughs> Jesus. want to no, no. sound like a bloke with a white van. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I mean, you don't want to put somebody off from that path that he's supposed to be on by giving him the truth that actually this could kill you because it could make you all kind of dark and all this sort of stuff. And that's what happens to your father. That's what happens to you. And also, Ber- uh, Owen and Owen and Beru. Uh, uh, um, Uncle Owen and Beru. I mean, oh no, it's in the radio version. But Beru says to Owen, "He's got. <laughs> you can't hold him back. He's got too much of his father in him." And Owen says, "Yes, that's what I'm afraid of." And that is brilliant because you think actually the reason why Owen is always pushing, putting Luke down, and saying, "No, you can't go off and go to the academy, and you can't do all this, and you've got to just stay on the moisture farm and fix everything." isn't just because he's afraid for Luke if he goes off and does all this sort of stuff. Oh, he's afraid of Luke. Yes, because he knows, because, I mean, that's his brother-in-law that we're talking, you know, his stepbrother that we're talking about. Yeah, his stepbrother. His stepbrother, he's Darth Vader. His stepbrother became the biggest badass in the whole universe. He doesn't want his, his nephew to go down the same route because he's, so he's basically he's afraid of him as well. So everybody's lying to Luke, not just to protect not just because to enable him to go on this path because that's what he needs to know, but they're doing it to protect themselves from him because he might go down this dark route. Are there any other lies that Obi-Wan tells? No, I think that's... Oh, I, I, does he... There's something around him not... He doesn't... He basically conceals, so it's a, like a lie of omission, that uh, Luke has a sister who is also um, Force-sensitive. Did he know that? Yeah, yeah oh, he he's the it. one who took him away from, from Anakin. Okay, in which case... I'm- Ah, it's not a lie that he tells him though. That's a lie. That's a. It's a basically. It's a, an a lie of omission. I'm not sure that counts though. I'm not sure it counts as a lies to children in well, this regard. Okay. I mean, because but... if he'd said to him, for example, "You are uh, a single child." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a sister. You don't, you're okay. a single child. You don't have a sister, and that could potentially be a lies to children. Yeah, but if you say that you're the last hope or whatever, didn't he say something like? I can't remember. Uh, possibly. Yeah, we should have revised. Might be this. in the the third movie, but I would say a lie of omission is just. Probably in this particular context, more of being a bit of a dick. Yeah, well, I mean, this is again what part of the lies to children pedagogically is that when you tell people this, this, and this, that actually gravity works like this. It's a, it's a field. It's not an exchange of gravitons. When you tell people, when you ignore the fact that, uh, I mean, this is the one that the one that why I stopped teaching physics was we've done all this stuff on the way that a pendulum swings, and you learn all these formula. What you don't learn is actually it's chaotic and you're omitting all the chaos physics. You're admitting that the universe isn't this regular Newtonian mechanistic thing. It's indeterminate and it's chaotic. That's a lie of omission. Now, it could be a lie which actually simplifies things for children, but also it's a lie in that it sends them out into the world if they don't go on to do undergraduate stuff, believing that the world is a boring, flat, uniform place and all this amazing stuff that goes on at a kind of quantum level and all this sort of thing. They don't find out about unless they watch, you know, Endgame or something. Uh, and even then they get a kind of twisted version of it. So I think lies to omission are part of this pedagogical model, really. And I think that's one of the things, the reasons why I have a problem with it. So in which case, let's tie okay. this back together to answering okay. our question. Sure. Okay. Yes. Yes. Again. So why? Why does Obi-Wan lie to children? Specifically, why does he lie to child Luke? Um, to be generous to him, it's in order for Luke to to stay on the path to enlightenment, to becoming a Jedi, to staying the course pedagogically. But if we were going to maybe look at him more from a critical pedagogy point of view and saying, well, actually, are you asking yourself the right questions about how you're teaching and that sort of stuff, then is he protecting himself? Does he actually, is he trying to kind of convince 
Luke to do something and is he protecting himself because he would be getting flack by, by being honest about the fact that uh, Anakin Skywalker had become Darth Vader partly because Obi-Wan Kenobi, who was his, who was his teacher at the time, his mentor, his master. Fucked up a little bit. Yes, he hadn't prepared him properly for, for all the things that he'd be exposed to. Um, and also, is there something that he's lying to himself is that he can't bear to face the fact that his protege had become this big, badass, evil person. And so therefore, he's actually looking at it as if he is a different person. He needs to think of Darth Vader as being an external entity that has consumed his friend, because they were really big buddies as well. If you watch Clone Wars, they're, you know, they're partners all the way through that. Is there an issue? Is, is he actually denying himself the truth because he finds that too difficult to take? And it's easy to believe that, you know, that it's not Anakin anymore and it wasn't Anakin being corrupted. It was Anakin being defeated by this external entity. So I don't think Obi-Wan Kenobi is being sufficiently honest with himself or challenging himself about the um, lies that he's telling, really. So, I mean, you know, we can look at it either way. And I think that's the way we can look at pedagogical lies to children, is that we can justify, justify them from being this. We need to simplify this in order for children to learn enough to be excited by physics or excited by science. But you need to question your own motives in doing so. It's a lie. Exactly. It's basically, it's the right exactly. lies for the wrong reasons. Or, Why does Obi-Wan lie? It's yeah. the right lie for the wrong reason. And let's be fair, because the truth in that particular scenario would be, oh, your dad, yes, I knew him, trained him, we were best pals, uh, then he got a bit nasty, and I chopped his arms and legs off and threw him in a volcano, Yeah, which would probably have stopped Luke from getting on the Millennium Falcon yeah. and then going on to save the galaxy. Particularly if then the next line is, and now I'm going to teach you. Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, so, you know, let, let's, yeah. Yeah, my last teaching job didn't work out great, no. but I'm pretty sure this time... I've cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I mean, we've talked in that other podcast that actually does do a good job the second time. He does go through the Hulk and I can't remember which Well, yeah, no, Yoda. Yoda does. I, I mean, Obi-Wan's instruction is um, pretty... Well, Yoda minimal. tends to chuck him in the deep end, doesn't he? And we felt that actually that was too experiential learning based, mm. that it was like learning by, you know. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so I, I think you encapsulated it as, yes, lies to children can be appropriate pedagogically, but if we are going to lie to children, we need to really question our motives about them, about why we're doing it, and is this justified, and can we find a way to approach these subjects without, without lying, or maybe being upfront by, actually, this is a superficial, this is a, an interim explanation. The nature of knowledge is that there's always another level to be unpacked, and we're just telling you this level. And if you stay tuned and do the next step, which could be A-levels, it could be a degree, it could be PhD, you will learn the next level up, which is actually even more exciting. Absolutely. I think that covers us for practical tips for your own teaching as mm -hmm. well. Anything else that, we can, uh, that we'd like to, um, to pull in for practical tips? No, I think that's it, really. I don't think I think it's more an ethical questioning of yeah. things rather than anything else. Really. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the formula itself is very, very basic. It's got to have an element of truth to it. It's got to be based in truth. It's got to enable you to uh, to understand and utilize the knowledge you've got at the level of which you've got it. It's um, got to excite you enough to continue to want to go to the next level as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I suggest that's a nice to have. Yeah, I, well, I, I would suggest you've got a lot of lies to children, which. I just bought, well, this is what, again, why I gave up teaching physics was because it was just teaching, it was lies to children, but it was also never getting to the exciting stuff. It was, ne it was, all, it was never getting to the weird shit. And physics is full of weird shit that will fuck your head if you learn enough about it. 
And the problem with a, even at A-level, which is, you know, you've got 18-year-olds learning stuff about physics, which is not, which does not equate to the good stuff. It's not the quantum stuff. It's not the, it's not the relativistic stuff. It's, at least when I was teaching it, it wasn't. It was, it was the dull mechanistic stuff. And I was thinking, are you just learning to teach people the dull mechanistic stuff so that we become dull mechanistic people instead of the chaotic, you know, quantum um, relativistic people that they could be? This wasn't know. supposed to be a podcast on um, quantum physics. And, oh, I can uh, do one of those if you like. But <laughs> but Mark's got a follow-up in him. I can tell. Oh, He's got yeah, like let's do quantum round. physics of Endgame. Back time travel of Endgame. That would be really good. Just going back to um, something you said at the beginning of that okay. was, I think you actually answered our question in a nice short way, which is always nice. And then did a long way. And then did a long way. Okay. But why does Obi-Wan Kenobi lie to children? Because if he didn't, it would fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would. And, well, also, you know, it's, the, it's a new hope. You... you to a certain extent as well, it doesn't matter what happens to Luke because there are bigger things at stake. And, and you know, and I, actually, even if it messes up Luke Skywalker, there is the fate of the galaxies at stake. And at some point, it's like the zeroth law of robotics and things like that. It's like, well, actually, the good of the individual has to be subsumed by the good of the many. And actually, it's what Luke needs to know at that point in order for the Empire to be brought down. And in a world where we have too many empires, you know, pedagogy becomes key, really. Ooh. We have to start bringing some down, some of these empires. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, so the clock, um, for anybody listening overseas, uh, the clocks went forward this week. Um, they so went backwards. Oh, the clocks back. went backwards this week. Yeah. So basically the entire UK is suffering from jet lag. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark and I went into the booth with kind of like sleepy eyes, and the sleepy eyes have been reduced by the mad gleam of revolutionary fire. Um, Pedagogy. As we look at our own respective empires, <laughs> consider how to burn them. <laughs> okay, cool. I think let's, uh, let's, okay. I think I think we've covered everything. Yeah, okay. Good luck. Uh, let's um, wrap this up. Um, okay. This theoretically short episode. <laughs> yeah, I was saying good luck making this a short episode. It's true. Uh, yeah, uh, just, I guess, I guess, yeah, one thing I would say is to, um, even though we're going to talk about Discworld in another um, yeah, episode, yeah. definitely, because Terry Pratchett is my boy, or was mm. my boy. But uh, yeah, the Science of the Discworld books, um, Cohen, uh, Stewart, and Pratchett, just mm -hmm. yeah, check them out. They're yeah. fantastic. So let's wrap up. Thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to us on all of your favourite apps, feeds, iTunes, and at our website, pedagodzilla.com. Uh, you can also get in touch via Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Pedagodzilla and Mark's. At Mark Childs. That's right. He's the first person called Mark Childs who's ever been on Twitter somehow. Yeah, I know. Don't know how you I, angled that one. I got there very, very early. Mark is super active on Twitter, and I basically just post links to episodes and reply to people's messages. So if you've got anything really burning to say that you want a quick response to, definitely speak to Mark. Yes. Okay. That'd be great. Cool. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you again next time where we'll talk about threshold concepts or something. Bye now. Bye. Bye.